Hello and welcome to the Yoga Syndicate. This episode is called Dharma. Ellen, what is Dharma? Uh, what is Dharma? Well, Dharma is a very big concept within the Indian society, within the philosophy of uh, yoga. So Dharma uh, can have a, a lot of different meanings. And if we go back in history, we find the roots of Dharma already in the Vedas at, as the, the root Rta, which uh, signifies some kind of uh, uh, cosmic order. And this develops further through time th to, uh, uh, to pertain to uh, stages of life, to society, uh, to uh, to the personal level, what you're supposed to do according to uh, to where you're born in society, the role you have to fulfill, and then it changes, of course, in in other belief systems. Like in Buddhism, it means something else. Uh, so Dharma is a very big concept that uh, that changes a lot. It goes through several changes over time. So it can mean. Uh, in the beginning, it can mean like a worldly order, a cosmic order. And then it can mean uh, the order of society, how society is, is organized. So it can be a kind of prescriptive um, uh, way of uh, um, explaining society. And then it can uh, comes down to what the individual is, uh, is supposed to do. What is their dharma? What is their duty? What is their way to to live their lives and fulfill their roles in society. And then we also have the Buddha Dharma, which is the, the teachings of the Buddha or uh, the, the nature of reality as the Buddha uh, saw it and as he taught it and explained it. It's pretty intense. I mean, my Lord, I've, I've, <laughs> I've never asked you what a question was and almost you in just answering gave an entire podcast um <laughs> that was uh very extensive i mean is it is there not a one word definition for what dharma is uh, not really i mean we shouldn't use a one word definition because then we conflate a very big concept into something small but um no we can't really say that we can say it has to do with uh with a certain law or uh, or order or reality? Uh, reality, yeah. In Buddhism, it definitely means reality. The translation of uh, one translation of Dharma is just phenomena. Yeah, okay. So Dharma means on one side what the Buddha taught, uh, uh, a kind of a, a teaching, the Buddha Dharma we talk about. But you also have the uh, concept of Dharma as reality. And reality... Uh, consisting of many dharmas so uh, reality is not the solid things we perceive we perceive it as we perceive a kind of solid reality out there but if we look closely uh, reality actually consists of uh, many many dharmas the the uh, small um, uh, constituents of, uh, of reality that we can perceive once we train, once our, our perception improves, we can perceive these, uh, these dharmas, we can perceive the constituents of uh, reality. I like that. I mean, <clears throat> I'm always, uh, I, I like sentences like, hey man, uh, keep it real, bro. Um, when it comes to the constituents of reality, do you think, um, you know, uh, without being interested in yoga and you know going out to Starbucks in 
you know, Mapletown, USA. Um, do you think anyone in that uh, small vicinity would even, um, would they would they even be able to pronounce the word Dharma, let alone understand what the heck you're talking about? Anybody around here, you mean, at Wasson Shopping Center or yeah, something or like I mean, that? Whether it's here, there, or mm. anywhere. I mean, we're talking, you know, we're using words like cosmic, and then that already mm. stigmatizes the mind to think that, if it if it's cosmic and it's an explanation defining reality, then just the word in of itself cosmic already took me so out into the far reaches of the universe that I can't even grasp it here on planet Earth. What the heck are you talking about? And actually, you're talking about the essence of something that that lays within all of us. This mm-hmm. law, this order. I mean, gravity is externally, not internally, based on your inter- interpretations, but externally, it's a law. It's a fact. It's reality. There is something called gravity. Um, how are we going to let this gravity run its course so that people can stand firm and solid uh, and understand that they're they're not just standing there um, arbitrarily. They're standing there because of Dharma. Yeah, but think about it, Ellis. Gravity. Now we have a concept of gravity uh, because we had some scientists uh, who investigated it and and came up with a with a, a concept of gravity. Uh, they they gave it a name. Whereas up until that, we ha- we only took it for granted that, of course, when we drop things, they fall to the ground and, and they break if they're fragile. We we just took gravity for granted <laughs> until we had some language to, to describe it as a, and until we could even imagine that there might be places out there in the cosmos where there is no gravity or where gravity works in a different way. So it's the same with Dharma and with the Buddha Dharma. Well, the common man, he just takes reality for granted. It is what it is. It works in this way. It's out there and I'm in here. And there's uh, uh, like reality is this is given and I'm just born into it. And uh, it's always the same and it behaves in a certain way. Uh, uh, whereas uh, uh, when you when you when you study the the um, wisdom traditions, they they uh, they analyze the the this seemingly solid reality and they pick it apart into smaller cons- constituents. And uh, as we walk the path, as we uh, train our minds, we can we can recognize this the same that we can the same way that we could suddenly recognize gravity. And uh, how do this apply to us? Well, when we talk about Dharma or when we talk about the, the cosmos and the person, these are all correspondences. So that's another uh, big and important concept in the Indian philosophy is called Bandhu. It's the correspondence between the macrocosmos the mesocosmos and the microcosmos. So you have the big world, the big universe out there being the macrocosmos. You have society, which is kind of a, a medial level. And then you have the on the personal level, as in our bodies. So we see that as, uh, um, as um, the, the, the science, or, or we could say the ma- methods or the philosophy of, uh, of yoga develops, this uh, microcosmos becomes more important. We don't need to be do the big uh, rituals, external rituals anymore to sustain the universal order. We are doing the rituals inside with our bodies and minds. I like that, the micro, the medial, the macro, uh, in understanding that this division of the magnitude of dharma um, 
from a universal level right down to our own um, interpretations, our own heart, our own intuition, um, that they are, in fact, independent and interdependent uh, upon each other. But it's like anything else that we've discussed in other podcasts we have. It seems to be very conditional based on or circumstantial based on which side of the bed you wake up on and how you're willing to accept what is fact, what is reality, and what is uh, just your own uh, set of jargon that, that fluctuates and changes. How, how are we to look at Dharma and let the gates of Dharma open and let it pour in the so-called reality? Well, I think it's <coughs> different ways to to look at Dharma. I mean, one meaning of Dharma is also uh, um, related to, to duty and uh, in what class you were born. I mean, this w- on one hand, this concept is very tied up with uh, with the order of society, with the uh, with the uh, caste system or the varna system and the jati system. So you're born into a role in society and your dharma so to say is to fulfill that role and uh, as um, as um, krishna says to arjuna you you should you have to fulfill your own role in society not do, do not live or try to fulfill anyone else's dharma uh, and we can interpret that as uh, applying to that specific society where people had these very uh, strict uh, limits within which they were born, or we could interpret it in a very in a much looser way to to relate to ourselves to see wh- what is my dharma in life, wh- what am I here to do? Do I have a purpose in life? And we could try to find out. What, what would I be good at doing? What, what, what should I do? How should I live my life? Okay, there you go. You're, you're back at, you know, how should I, what should I do? How should I live my life? And then you're back to, you know, this sort of like the, the granddaddy of all sort of foundations of, of how, in fact, philosophy had stemmed from just this one great uh, story of families. Uh, at war in the Bhagavad Gita and this, you know, these discussions out on the fields with Krishna and uh, Arjun. What did, um, you know, a lot of Dharma related, you know, what to do? Shall you kill and hurt your great teachers, uh, your family members in order to somehow, um, you know, uh, sustain and listen to your own dharma because mm-hmm. the the end result will be will be of greater cause than just saving and sparing their life and then another thousand people lose theirs i mean how uh does the bhagavad gita play into the in your head in terms of how dharma really came into focus uh based on what's the right thing to do based on what you and your nature feel is the right thing to do and how to act upon it well, I think it's the reason that this grand epos is so immensely popular in the I- Indian subcontinent and, and even extends much further than that, actually. Uh, throughout uh, several countries in Asia, they are very uh, uh, compelled by this, uh, uh, by this drama. Because it's on one hand, it uh, it also describes a, a human conflict. Uh, what might the concern for for one's family and close ones, as opposed to the concern for one's one's jati, one's varna. What is your what is your role in life? What is the what role do you play in the big game, so 
to say. So this we could uh, we could look at at a very human level that we come up against these conflicts, you know, between uh, between those who are close to us, and there's maybe a greater course that we try to to fulfill in life, and which ones should we go for? You know, I wish we would make some sort of app that had voice recognition and we could just call it Krishna. So we could walk down the fields uh, of the shopping mall and uh, the local uh, strip uh, as you walk down uh, your, your downtown street. And, you know, you're making different decisions based on your impulses, based on the thoughts you have, both positive and negative about people walking by. And, you know, in life, at work, what to do, how to advance, perhaps, you know, quit your job. Um, you know, how and when to spend uh, time with your kid or to let them have that silly device so that you just, you know, you that are so darn tired at the end of the day, you can't deal with this reality. But, you know, um, are we missing uh, Are we missing a Krishna in our lives when it comes to letting, reminding us what is uh, our own true inner nature? Can, can we function uh, without being, you know, plugged in, so to speak? Can we function all on our own and, and decipher what, we need based on uh, or how to listen to our own true inner nature? Well, I think certainly it would be good if we had uh, some kind of mentor in life. And I think many of us do have a mentor uh, who can point out, uh, well, focus on this and don't focus on that. Um, and I think it, it varies from person to person. For some of us, it's, it's very clear what we're going to do in life. You know, what are, we, what are we interested in? What are we burning for? What seems to be the, the story of our lives that, that we should uh, fulfill? And uh, for others, it, it might be other people might try various careers. And we, we quite often we will make the wrong choices until we find our true north, so to say. Mm-hmm. We, we might start several educations, have several professions, and then we might land on, on something that we, we are really cut out for. Do we have to get anywhere? <laughs> do we have to get anywhere? Yeah, do we, do we have to achieve anything? Uh, or can't we just, you know, um, let Dharma show us the way, no matter what? Well, but but how is how is Dharma going to show you the way? It depends what you um, uh, how you define achieve, you know. Yeah, well, I'm back to the you know some of the angles you brought up initially about you know you're born into this world with certain capacities, and I almost feel like Dharma, uh, based on 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 this go around with certain people, you know. Um, connecting to perhaps their you know their karmic account or this that and the other you just deal with the cards that you're dealt if you don't have a full deck then you pick up those cards and you make the most out of them uh, is 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 dharma in samsara some sort of um you get what you you've got and you've got to roll with what you've you've been dealt mm. or no um but how do you decide these limits? That's another question, you know, and, and what can you achieve through the grace of a good teacher and through your own dedication? Uh, you, don't, you don't really know that. So on one hand, you know, you could fall back and say, well, I only got this card, so I have to, it's limited how I can play. Uh, on the other side, you could, uh, you could go really far depending on your, uh, your energy, your input, and also I would say the grace of uh, good guidance. Grace of good guidance, it almost sounded like you're about to say the grace of a good God. 
Um, <laughs> and I was thinking of gardens, uh, just like the Saudi uh, that was crossing the river, and uh, you know the the farmsman that was helping uh, guide uh, the guide helping the uh, the sage over the river, and the stopping along the banks and you know saving the scorpion, teaching uh, the the guide about Dharma, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, What's what's your play on that? I mean, I don't know if I would save the scorpion uh, on three different occasions and keep getting stung, and then only to both prove a point and, and explain that the water has its dharma, uh, the scorpion has its dharma, and me, the man saving the scorpion, has its dharma. I mean, where do you where do you draw the line from? You know what Krishna is telling Arjun about you know listening and doing the right thing versus actually. You know, conducting yourself in a way that's also quite intuitive. For me, the right thing is mm-hmm. is not to get stung and perhaps mm-hmm. not be here to be a father for my children if something adversely had gone wrong by getting stung by that scorpion. Mm. Yeah, well, on one hand, you could say that this concept of dharma is very limiting, that you could you can only do what you're cut out to do from seen from the from the outside that you have you're given this role in society and and that limits your uh, uh, your possibility of uh, of growth and and expressions you could see it that way in a negative way and that's also one way you you could interpret the the Bhagavad Gita and there are many interpretations you could interpret it in that way if you're a warrior you have to fight no matter what because it's your dharma if you're a scorpion you have to sting no matter what because it's your dharma so we we could see it that way but one well if we flip the coin and we and we we say that well this uh, uh, drama of the bhagavad gita is also a question of dharma versus a dharma adharma uh, when when things go really wrong and if we look at the world these days and we look at uh, how society, how family, how all these uh, familiar structures are falling apart, maybe we could do with a little bit more dharma, you know. Um, uh, so in the olden days and even here in Europe and, uh, and the West, we, we had the concept of, well, if you're a ruler, you have to, it, you have to be a righteous ruler. It's, there's a, there are good rulers and there are bad rulers. And there is dharma and there is adharma, and if you look at how we, how we, how do we run our countries? How do we run our societies? How do we run the international society? There's a lot. <laughs> there's a there's adharma to a great extent, I think, and we could maybe do with a little bit more dharma, consciousness of dharma. Wow, um, you're lighting a lot of. Uh I don't know if I would say uh, a lot. You're not. You're not igniting. Well, in fact, you're igniting. You're not lighting a lot of fires uh, in my mind when you talk about this sort of consciousness and this collective. At least I'm. I'm looking at it uh, and interpreting it that way. Let's just go to the the owner of Starbucks in Mapleville, USA. I don't even know if there's a town that's called Mapleville, but I'm just making a point. A very consumptuous land, a land of smiles, a land of, hi, how are you? Fine, okay, you guys take now. Take good care of yourselves now, you hear? All right, see you soon. Uh, what was his name again? Um, you have this kindness, right? You have this, I don't know if they would. you can even categorize that as a type of dharma. But back to the owner of Starbucks, who fronts these coffees that are organically grown in Ecuador where they are hand-chosen and picked in the fields of Ethiopia, 
where uh, all of the workers have been taken care of and they're all on some sort of health plan and you know they put it on all the packaging but then back behind starbucks starbucks number 10,521 of all of the chains of Starbucks in Mapleville, USA. You have a trash receptacle behind the building full of plastic items that have been just chucked away. And you're just asking yourself, do we even have a running, a sitting, or conscious chance? Uh, although we're, we're being candy-coated with lots of beautiful marketing that... You know, the owner of Starbucks, he's really conscious they're doing such a great job over at Starbucks. I feel like everyone and everything is turning into The Simpsons. I <laughs> <laughs> can almost hear my voice turning into Marge Simpson now. But I, um, I'm wondering if back to discriminating Viveka and Dharma, can we even discriminate, understand, you know, what's coming first, our nature or the trash? Well, it's hard to distinguish these days, Alice, because uh, these organizations are so clever as well, you know. Now it's the, the new fashion is to be environmentally conscious and environmentally friendly. But still, they are big businesses. They're out there to make money. So we can... It's hard to be sure, you know, whether someone really tries to, to follow a kind of dharma, take responsibility, or if it's still just about money and profit. Well, you know, okay, go away from, you know, the idiosyncrasies of a, a big chain concept uh, and a multinational uh, corporation and just, you know, bring it back into the, the multifaceted uh, individual um, you're going to sit down with someone uh, or let's just, why don't we just come back to the youth of today? Mm -hmm. um, could you sit down one-on-one -on -one, uh, with a 13-year-old boy that you never met before in a closed room and you're given one hour with this person and you need to tell him what Dharma is and why it's uh, important. Are there any sort of, you know, thumbnails? Are there any words? Are there any reasons why uh, this person should even sit in that chair and listen to you, let alone what you have to say? Or do you feel that Dharma is very, he needs to find out, and that's the best way uh, he can't be told? Or do we, like you said in, you know, just a minute ago, it would be really handy to have a, a spiritual guide in our pocket? Well, Alice, you, you certainly make me feel very old now, talking about the younger generation and <laughs> taking on this role as a mentor or, or advisor. But uh, yeah, and I'm certainly glad I'm not young today because I think it's extremely difficult because there is, uh, well, the, there's so many influences, there is the media, there is so much pressure these days. Uh, so much uh, um, distraction, I find. So I think it's uh, it must be very hard to to keep it very basic. But I think there are some rules of thumb, and I think we we you know we do have an inner compass. We do have an inner compass. It's is in our physiological and mental. Uh, makeup. We do know when we're doing the right thing, and we do know 
uh, when we're doing the wrong thing because we're actually getting a physical response. We can, of course, override this physical response uh, and, and we can override it again and again, but th it will harm us in the long run. So uh, I, I think if I sat with a with a young person, I would. Um, well, I haven't I haven't gotten it planned out just now. But I think back to the basics, back to ahimsa. Don't harm anyone. Just be a good person. What you do is more important than thinking about who you are or how you look to the outside world. I agree, and uh, we've discussed that in one of our podcasts uh, that we changed the name in the middle of it to something else. <laughs> um, but I'm, you know. I'm not back to this teenager and I'm not going to hound you on, on, on such a, you know, the oddity of uh, sitting down with uh, someone full of pimples and their own worries as they're ever changing. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going back to uh, the concept of, of youth. I'm going back to the concept of a body. Um, and for example, you know, a younger person that is either not malnourished, but is, definitely quite fond of all of those you know uh new uh new age uh drinks that have no calories and they're full of chemicals and they're up all night long and they're losing sleep and they're constantly jet lagged and and this is just you know this is how they run um they run by not running they sit in chairs and stay up all night i'm just thinking um are we physiologically or metaphysically um veering away from some sort of true inner dharma by um, sort of masking our existence with, uh, as we've mentioned in several podcasts, this this externality, uh, this outsideness of of everything. Um, is Would yoga then in this case and the concept of meditation uh, bring us closer to uh, excavating and cleaning house? I think there's a danger that we do that, that we override our natural impulses. And I think there's a great danger in, uh, in the way we relate to other people or in the way we don't relate to other people. Because somehow we have the uh, social media out there, we have the media out there, and uh, we have this, uh, like, not fake news, but fake friends. Uh, called followers, and we might have the uh, we might have the impression that we have a lot of people around us. We have a lot of people who like us, and I'm doing this with my fingers now. They like us, but they're actually not our friends. They're people we have never met. There are people we are not at all connected to. Uh, so, uh, as far as we are truly connected with uh, other beings. We uh, we get the responses from our bodies and minds. We get all the nervous, the the mirror neurons, the vagus responses, the oxytocin, and and all these natural responses that that guide us, that reward us when we when we behave in the in the um, altruistic and and positive and and friendly and caring way. And uh, we don't get the same when we're so distanced, and uh, we might wake we might wake up one day and and really realize that we're all alone. No, I I see that, and in fact, you know, whether you've been in a relationship <clears throat> all your life, as you still sit on the couch next to your wife, guess what? You've been all alone all the way through. Um, 
in one in one way, shape, form, or another. You've in fact just been there with the lenses, looking out uh, at her or at other things or what you get irritated by. And I'm just wondering if this perspective um, of sitting there all alone also uh, could be uh, um, a result um, of you know uh, me versus everyone else. Is is Dharma like when you? When you break it down, I still got this Arjun. I still got this war going on. I don't know why. <laughs> and one thing I think about in terms of war and Dharma is, you know, most of these games that these kids are playing nowadays, and now I'm sounding a bit older, you know, there's a lot of war. There's a lot of, there's a lot of this. And it's even, they even make it fun for even young kids The, you know, you pop right back up after you just got killed. I got killed. You did. You killed me. You, you know, well, I didn't mean to kill you. I just, you were just in the way. And then that sort of thing. And then they just pop back up again. Uh, should, should we consider this the, the modern day uh, juvenile Dharma uh, for, for them to then survive the, the war that's in fact coming in 10 years from now, if there were, a war coming in 10 years from now? Should we let them run their course or should we play Krishna and give them some pretty funky advice when it comes to how to conduct themselves? Well, to be honest, uh, Ellis, I've never played any of these games, so I don't know what the content are. Are they completely uh, immoral, amoral? Uh, is it just about uh, killing or do you get rewarded for, for doing the dharmic things, for, do, for doing the right thing? Do, do the, the, <laughs> these games reward you? If, you are, if, you're picking your, if you're picking your wounded friend up from the battleground, do, do these games reward you? Mm. I think it's more than moral and abnormal or abnormal or whatever. I think it's more mortal and immortal, mm. uh, whether you live or you die. Oh, I see. You just explode into <clears throat> pieces and, and then there comes up a little number of how, how many credits you gained or something? Yeah, or how many lives you, you, you got. I mean, it's oh, it's okay. very samsara-like. And maybe mm. there's a lot of yoga in these games that the kids keep coming back and forth and picking up their friends with... Um, <laughs> You can even buy Nike clothes in these these programs, so they 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 can even download a, a set of clothes and some shoes, so that they die with some fancy shoes on. So it gets it gets very um, yeah lugubrious. So I'll I think I'll move away from the adolescent uh, juvenile. Thank uh, you. I'm doing it now. I'm gone. I will let it go. <laughs> but back to to Dharma as such. If you were to if you were to define your own uh, inner nature, do you feel that you're um, I mean, any discussion can be discussed left, right, and center in a thousand different ways and coming from all different angles. But if you were to just take the concept of Dharma, do you think you, you know, pertain and sustain a certain sort of following in, uh, to your own uh, inner nature on a daily basis is to the best of your ability? No, not at all. Okay. Well, I think very few people do, actually. I think we're all prone to to uh, all the distractions of the world, and uh, not the least myself. But I think I have some idea of what I should be doing, mm. you know, rather than the, the things I, I am doing. Does that make you feel good, that you, you know what you should do versus actually having done it or not? No, it makes me feel like a, 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 like a little bit fake at times, you know, that I should I should walk the talk in a, in a better way. Fake blues? Fake blues. Yeah, like fake news, but you got the uh, fake yeah, blues. I'm, yeah, I get the fake blues from time to time. Uh, but then on the other side, I think when I, uh, uh, if I can be a little bit biographical and retrospective, I think I've made some uh, choices in life on the kind of grand scale that uh, where, I, where I followed my dharma, where, where I 
really did what uh, I had to do in order to save myself and uh, uh, it didn't make sense um, it didn't make sense at the time and maybe it doesn't make sense in retrospective but uh, I think it was my dharma what I like is uh, you're so poised when you answer things and I just always you know it's 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 a real pleasure to talk to you and uh, to hear uh, you know things that you say are obviously things that you've you know, you've learned and you've traveled, and uh, I just, just adore you to pieces. The, 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 the cool thing that happens right now in this instant, though, is that I see and I hear um, someone that I, one of the people that I, of course, feel has it, you know, has it together. Yeah, from my standpoint, I feel you sort of just breaking up the frequency and the transmission is sort of. It's not like falling apart, but you know, um, it's it's tough to evaluate and sort of measure up how you've done uh, in life despite knowing what one you know not should do but uh is 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 dharma a tough cookie where you're playing tennis with yourself uh, off a wall and sometimes the ball just bounces in the river and you you can't find it or it floats too fast to catch up with it is dharma tennis ball like a tennis game you play with yourself <laughs> No, I mean, it's it, w the thing that confuses me with Dharma is, you know, you have, let's go back to Arjun, let's go back to Krishna, you know, what one should do. Uh, is it what everyone should do because we're human and we're not scorpions and we're not the water? Um, does, do all mankind want to save a scorpion because it's in our nature to save something? Or are there some people that are just allergic to scorpions and should never put their hand in the water and rescue that thing? Yeah, you know, if, if we're looking at the uh, at the old idea of uh, of dharma, so dharma varies according to where you live and what age you are, what gender you are. So there's one dharma for for people who live in scorp scorpion infested areas, and there's one <laughs> dharma for for people who live in uh, cold Norway where there are no scorpions, and we don't have to worry about a scorpion dharma. So uh, it really uh, it really varies according to to where you live and uh, and what you're supposed what you're supposed to do. What okay, circumstantial. Again. It's again, circumstantial, yeah. Everything seems very circumstantial in a lot of these talks. Um, yeah, except ahimsa, as we mm. in one of our first podcasts. So that's uh, very interesting that uh, Patanjali says that uh, so ex expressive explicitly that uh, ahimsa can't be uh, there's no excuse for not uh, uh, practicing ahimsa it doesn't it doesn't help if uh, you know y there's no excuse if you're you're in a society where it's okay to kill or take lives ahimsa is uh, is um, superseding all other uh, rules i get it but if it were and you're going to save a scorpion avoiding that which can harm you now that's then a physical harm. I, I get it. Ahimsa is more than you know someone running off uh, or after you with an axe or you know some scorpion that's you know lifting up its tail to 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 sting you. Um, but um, I don't know. I get I get a bit confused myself because these topics are so vast. And you know, one thing um, you know, a little sidetrack here. I. I understand when you talk about macro, medial, or some sort of you know micro level. Um, 
it seems like there's always five yamas, five niyamas. There's this and that many kleshas. Uh, there's there's it seems to always be a, a number that fits on your hand, like mm. there's five or there's ten. Um, what about the opposable thumb? Can't there just be one bloody good answer? Uh, and why do we have to talk about all the different kinds of dharmas? I don't think anyone in Mapleville, USA, can even register the one, let alone the ten, or all the aspects of dharma. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that dharma and Arjun and the Bhagavad Gita? Do you think these works of literature, these works and stories, are so clever that they they can confuse the simplicity uh, of actual dharma working its uh, wonders on us? Well, it's, they are complex, you know, and the, I think the whole point of the Bhagavad Gita is that there is a big dilemma, that uh, there's not an easy answer to that. Uh, but if, you've, if you're looking for the rule of thumb, we could, we could look at the Buddha Dharma, because on, in one, on one hand, that is very simple. It, it just said... Uh, 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 do good action of actions, avoid negative actions, and tame your mind. And all of that to avoid suffering, correct? All that to avoid suffering, but in in any case, I think all these uh, all these traditions, or at least all the yoga traditions, uh, uh, are are remedies against suffering. So suffering seems to be the conduct. It seems to be sort of the the template. Uh, we're born to suffer, right? Well, we are suffering. It's an, is the as long as we're in samsara, we are marked. Uh, that is marked by suffering. So our our I, existence is marked by suffering. I, yeah, I get it, and so on. But the word suffering just seems so darn sad. And and uh, I believe me, I I suffer in deciphering how much I'm suffering and. Uh, or how much I'm not, you know. There seems to be suffering in 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 every nick and cranny of of your mind and your heart, and uh, in in all other patterns in life. But I'm just I'm trying to understand how do you um. You know, we we're back to that word, the West. We keep mentioning it. I'm so sick of saying the West, but there yeah, there's, there seems to be a parallel. In fact, there seems to be this equator uh this north the south this west this east and in in many of our talks it's really you know the west um and we we don't really comment and and bring up the west always in the most enlightening way Mm. um does the west uh need uh, a lot of dharma 101 no, but first of all back to the back to the word suffering the word suffering is the translation of the of the Sanskrit word dukkha, and it means more something like uh, unsatisfactory, right? It means actually uh, literally translated being under a bad sky, like kai sky duk is bad. Uh, so it means any uh, occasion that is unsatisfactory, uh, and. Um, and you could say that, yeah, our lives are marked by suffering, but this is also the big contrast that 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 runs through the um, Indian society. I, I'm I'm sorry for saying Indian again. Um, uh, is that uh, division between you know hope for the best within samsara, practice your dharma, um, do your best in and the in the life that you're given with the cards you're given, uh, and and hope for the best, or it's this whole tradition of uh, transcending samsara of all the traditions that uh, that want to. Uh, um, 
um, escape or outsmart samsara, we, c- we could say, all the like uh, renunciate, the shramana, the, uh, the yogis uh, of the world, they all, they all try to, uh, to, to get away from just, you know, um, get the best, uh, obtain the, the best uh, position within samsara. They, they wanted to transcend it all together. Um, so uh, yeah, we uh, we make this uh, division between the the east and the west. But sure, we have people also in the in the west. It's it, it's a it's a mutual influence both way. I think both ways. Mm. And uh, there would be a, I'm sure we could find a philosophical equivalent of uh, of uh, of dharma of the idea of uh, of doing your your duty and play your cards to the in the best way you can. Is there a lot of explanation about Dharma uh, um, in Patanjali's uh, Yoga Sutras? Uh, is there a lot of talk about, or you know, some sort of uh, add-on or connect uh, in your mind? I mean, if I think of sort of listening to your own true inner nature, then uh, what I really like about Patanjali's approach is before you could even listen to your own inner nature, there's certain things you need to, there's certain slates that need to be Mm. cleared. Mm. And in order to clear any slate, you have to understand which one to clear, uh, since life is multifaceted. And once you get to that slate that needs to be cleared and cleaned off, brushed off and polished, then you need to approach certain techniques. And some of them, yes, in a certain order, um, uh, do you think that uh, the Patanjali um, focused less on the the, the concept of, of Dharma uh, as such, uh, or do you think there's a lot of Dharma just said in another way in uh, the, the sutras of Patanjali? Well, you could say that uh, relating to what I just said, uh, uh, Patanjali, the, the Panjali's, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, uh, belong to the other tradition, the uh, the yogis of the yogis who want to transcend samsara altogether. So in that context, they are uh, not so occupied. They are not occupied with dharma, with fulfilling your role in society. So these are more the guys who renunciate their role in society, who renunciate family life and all the responsibilities that comes with that, and goes off by, uh, on their own to to uh, find to seek the truth and to understand the constituents of reality and to understand their own minds. So what Patanjali is occupied with is really explaining how the mind works and how we can uh, how we can get how we can attain liberation. Now I think in my mind there's no one in the world that could maybe even answer at least my uh, my asking this question than than you, Ellen Johannesson. I mean <laughs> you you lived lived in Kathmandu. You you know you walk the walk. You talk the talk. You bring you bring it uh, into mind that I can actually ask this question. If if you had to choose, if both those were different teams, um, and you um, had to choose a team where you you renunciate and and approach a deeper, more profound breath, and not get so preoccupied with defining that role of Dharma, um, would you would you go with the 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 Patanjali Patriots, or would you run off with the uh, the 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 Budo Broncos? Um, which team would you choose? Uh, I think I would choose Team Buddha. I would be on the renunciate uh, team, 
and uh, I would I would wave my uh, very uh, I would be a cheerleader for the for the for the team renunciate I think okay I, because then I could also do the you know the backflips and the handstands and splits and all that <laughs> and there's not many uh is there, is there more uh, practice physical practice uh uh on the buddhist uh, i mean on the the hindi side of tradition you feel after this uh hatha yoga pradipika uh versus the the buddhist side up and through these thousands of years no there's a lot of uh, of uh, physical practices now we sort of jump to something else no but i'm about to connect oh you're about to connect splendid uh, there's a lot of physical uh, practices on the Buddhist side, on the tantric side. The uh, difference is that on the Buddhist side, these traditions have been kept very secret for a long time. But uh, the, the the tantric tradition has uh, actually the the f the first the first texts we have on hatha yoga are, are actually buddhist texts and uh, and from there of course the the buddhism moved to uh, um, to tibet where it developed further and not the least in tibet they they developed all these extensive traditions using the channels and the winds the elements etc it's the famous like uh, like they have the famous tumo practice the inner heat practices um but the difference was that, uh, yeah, as I said, these these practices were were kept very secret. So there's an origin of yoga coming and stemming from from the, these regions, not just from India, as everyone always says. There there seems to be a quite a direct link here to yoga. Well, they they all trace their lineage back to the Mahasiddhas of India. So we could say that there, the in in tantra, it really all comes together because they are sharing the same uh, roots to some extent. Okay, here's the connect. Will physical yoga um, help us uh, identify or at least practice or recognize um, the Dharma that lays within without having to have a Krishna in our pocket? Um, let's just say when you talk about Dharma now, what exactly do you mean? Do you mean the concept of Dharma as in the Brahmanistic, uh, Brahmanic mm. tradition where, where it is your duty in life? Or I'm thinking your own duty, and you mm. you can't perform a duty or have a duty or understand your duty without being cognizant and comprehensive of the fact that you are in touch aware mm. and uh, are in fact, uh, um, yeah, that you are present and that you are a harmonic individual. And that's why I'm wondering, again, like many other practices, can you exasperate the body long enough in good practice to then make it a free-flowing, understanding uh, uh, tool that can also help the mind and the tool of the mind uh, understand the, uh, and differentiate whether it's your own nature speaking or if it's just a you know a fake it till you make it type of dharma that is very external that is in fact not in conjunction with uh, who you mm. actually are. I think we're straying from our uh, natural inner compass to uh, to some extent. I mean, this might be as simple as you know. Since now we don't have a we don't have so much of a of a class society, and we don't have uh, 
uh, we we certainly don't have uh, a society where you you're destined to have this or that profession like we have had in the Middle Ages. You just became a shoemaker if your father was a shoemaker or things like that. Uh, so now we have a lot more choice, and but I think still there is a we are surrounded by a lot of expectations, and and that makes. You sometimes, when you're young, make the wrong choices. You do what you think the world or your parents or someone expects you to do, or you do something just because you were good. You were good at it. You were good at mathematics or science or something. So you just you just do that because it seems like the right thing to do, but uh, it's not actually what it's not actually uh, you're not actually following your heart and then you might study it for a few years and then you change course you change direction so i think these things happens and they happen for a reason uh, it's not just the pressure from the outside but it's also some confusion on the inside mm. that we we cannot find our true north uh, and and we don't have a krishna to to listen to so i think in that way yoga might help us to uh, to calm down, to uh, get more in touch with uh, what do we really want to do, um, uh, what really nourishes us, uh, what is what what gives meaning to our lives. I think it's uh, it boils down to that. Mm. It's almost like Scrooge, right? He uh, he has to meet the ghost of Christmas, Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of uh, Christmas future. Um, I almost look at this story of Scrooge uh, and this Christmas carol almost like if it were Arjun and uh, <laughs> Krishna walking, you know, and at the very end he gives all of his money away, he makes a, a good-hearted decision and he gets to keep his life, but he, he had to see himself in the grave first to understand that he didn't want to be looked at in, mm. in, in such an awful, god-awful way. Uh, so there seems to be a lot of dharma in Scrooge. I, I just it somehow just dawned on me, and I, I hate referring to something so uh, mediocre, but so be it. I'm just a product of, uh, of my surroundings as well. But I am, um, you know, I uh, I'm I'm seeking out more uh, understanding. But back to all this concept and your comments about all these choices we have, it's almost like we get to choose, um, or we're, you know, if you brought up the topic of dharma, it sounds like you know someone has to choose to believe something you tell them. It's not like you need to paint a picture and say, well, Dharma is right next to your aorta and your heart. And you mean it's a part of my body? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Dharma is, you know, acting upon uh, that which you feel in your heart. Well, my heart is a muscle. Um, should I act with my bicep? You know, people, they overthink because they've been, yeah, we've been stimulated without having to run for cover, um, most of us. Uh, and we just sound like a, you know, a bunch of, uh, people that, that that almost have no way of formulating, as I am this very second, no way of formulating something so directly, so firmly, so concretely enough, without having to say those three damn things, firmly, concrete, and uh, specific. I didn't even say specific, but I'll bring that in here too, just to show you that I have all these choices. How do we just, I don't know, do you feel the choices are clouding your ability to just hone in on the essence? Choices are clouding the essence of anything we discuss. Yeah, yeah. I think certainly uh, the more choices you have, the more uh, difficult it, it becomes to, to make the right one. And you always have the do- doubt, did I make the right one or should I do something else? Um, uh, 
Uh, and we might also be lacking something else, uh, Alice, in our society, and that is kind of ideals. What is the ideal thing? How can I be the the best version of myself? That's maybe what we should look at first before we look at all these multiple choices. Uh, what do I want to be? How can I? How can I? How can I be the the best version of myself? The um the 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 best friend the the best uh, the father or or uh, uh the best scientist or 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 whatever how can i really do something f- uh, from my heart and how can i how can i how can i be the best version i mean 2000 years ago you know or out in the fields uh uh in the bhagavad gita you know in the lord's song would you um were there were there kids running off to elementary school wearing uh, the same uniforms on, or were parents sitting down? Um, I mean, maybe you don't know this as a factual answer or not, but I doubt that they were all wearing the same uniforms, meeting up with another eight hundred kids, so their parents could run off to work and come back at uh, uh, seven p.m. at night, and uh, the dad runs off and the mother stays home. It, I'm the reason I'm asking this is it seems like when you're talking about ideals, that the real ideal or the idealistic way of teaching your child or reflecting as a child, this child also being a human being, on what is the right thing to do, would definitely, it would sit more, it would be more of a saturated process of reflection if that child or that parent in real time were was living uh, idealistically instead of being scattered by the choices of running off to Walmart uh, running through the aisles of Walmart, you know, of of all of these endless amount of choices of where to buy the food. It's not only over there, but you can in fact go in that store, and even at the hardware store, they have a they have a fridge if you need to get some milk, um, because suddenly everyone at gas stations aren't selling gas anymore; they're selling hot dogs. I mean, are we are we moving away from the core of everything by having, in fact, everything at our doorstep? Would it be much better to be poor and out in some sort of you know really primitive society where you have a few things and the coke bottle falls out of the sky and hits the one guy (laughs) on the head i mean uh, life seemed to have gotten complicated after that coke bottle came out of that airplane didn't it life is certainly very complicated and uh, we can't see things for for what they are i mean all the things you can ball buy at the <laughs> Walmart. It's just sustenance. It's just the means to live. It's not the aim of your life, right? But we make them the aim of our lives. Uh, possession, we make possessions the expressions of who we are, uh, rather than trying to express ourselves in some different way. And uh, we make uh, uh, money or position. We, we, well, in like in Buddhism, we talk of this as the, the worldly dharmas, the... the uh, the things that we we run after, which is like um, gain, uh, fame, and reputation, and praise, and uh, and these are all the things that, according to the Buddha Dharma, are useless. Yeah, and now we can do that uh, in the creature comforts of our own home, sitting on the couch, looking down at a very bright screen in the middle of the night. How many people liked what I put out today? <laughs> and what I put out today was actually just uh, another... Uh, Pie picture? Yeah, that looked just like another 
shirsasana picture uh, or another yoga pose or a certain sort of, you know, um, I don't know, uh, like you said in our last podcast, when it comes to, you know, who you are and the concept is, you know, we're so busy uh, looking out uh, that it's, is it, is it possible to, to go in and stay there or, or do we, are we still looking at ourselves from the outside back uh, and, it's so hard to dive back in uh, to that person because we, we're looking at our person in third person. We're not looking or feeling ourselves in first person. Yeah, that makes it that I think that distancing makes it uh, harder that we're so used to seeing ourselves from the outside. Like uh, the other day, Alice, we just made the first recording ever of uh, Ellen Johansson, who has been teaching yoga for twenty five years, actually doing her yoga practice. I never seen that before. And it's been a blessing in a way to uh, to start uh, uh, teaching and practicing the yoga before this whole social media boom happened. So uh, in in my days, I didn't have to put myself out there uh, filming myself doing stuff every day. I had no concept of what my practice looked like. Uh, except from what other people had maybe told me or what it felt like from the inside. Uh, so I think that was um, uh, that was a that was also a, a, a blessing. Um, and when when that is said, in order to detect this meaninglessness of uh, all the distractions, I think we need a damn good map. Mm. And that's where all this old wisdom. Um, traditions can can come to our aid actually because they talk about that you know they put a name to it the same way you put a name to gravity you can to use that uh, reference you can see what are you gravitating towards and 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 what should rather be a center of gravity what should be the center of gravity in your life so if we use these maps we can see that what we call our uh, reality is it's just um, it's just stuff, mm. you know. Yeah, I I really like that map, and I you know whether you're connecting dots and creating a uh, a picture or you're actually talking about uh, a map. I personally would appreciate a map that was telling me exactly in chronological order. You know, you 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 first need to cross that valley before you can get up to that hill, and behind that hill, of course, there's a a bigger hill or a mountain, but beyond that mountain is some sort of, you know, and you, as you cross it all, where do you end up? You end up in the same place, right? Because the world isn't flat after all, Christian Posca. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm thinking, you know, if everything is just this this wheel and this ball turning back into uh, the, the same location where you're standing, then we have quite a job before we set off and look at that mat, no, map and open our eyes. We have quite a job of mapping out uh, our own true inner nature. But my true inner nature seems to be, uh, or has been often, one that is um, very emotional. I can get really uptight over very simple, mm. you know, um, uh, very sort of, you know, I can, I, it's not that I create controversy around things that that don't carry any meaning because in that moment it feels very heavy and it feels very, you know, firsthand. But um. I think it's, you know, there's more roadblocks and more hills and more mountains and more streams to cross within your own 
psyche. And that's why I really appreciate these direct uh, narratives in uh, the Yoga Sutras that can sort of calm and, 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 and yeah, rem- exactly. remove these. But um, So back to what's the right thing to do versus the wrong thing to, you, to do. Is, is it important in the map uh, to close your eyes before you, you open them to the, the great macro dharma as such? Well, I think what these maps do is that the, they are very simple in a way, uh, and they describe these things, this stuff, uh, all the things you think you, you need, all your cravings, they're just cravings. Mm. They're just the fluxations of the mind, and the same with your with your emotions. They are so powerful, but if you look closely at them, they have no inner essence, and you can actually start to pick them apart, to deconstruct them, and see that they have no power. They have no power other than what you give them in the moment. So you can take a step back and look at them and be less attached. But you can't do it when you're standing in the middle of it, and you're... Your whole body is firing up and your hair is standing up on end and, and you feel it's taking over your body and your mind, then you can't do it. Yeah, but so then it has to come from, yeah, you have to work it from different side, you see. You have, to, you have to understand it intellectually and then you can, then you can go deeper into it. Then you, can, then, you can, uh, uh, then you can go into a kind of contemplation and finally you can face these emotions in uh, a state of calmness and you can see them for what they are. But you can't well do it unless you have a map to follow because they're just overpowering. Mm. I would agree, and uh, it's always very comforting knowing that uh, that all of this will pass, and that we one day as well will pass. And um, I think uh, I'll pass on these uh, any finalizing of this great Dharma over to you. And if you would like to pass, then I will just uh, move on to our our final little outro. Um, it, do you have any like uh, words of dharmic? Uh, you have a good friend whose name is Dharma Deepa, right? Mm-hmm. And that means the island of Dharma. Uh, yeah. A great uh, meditator from uh, outside of Prague. Um, do you have you learned any uh, or honed in on Dharma through actual meditation versus other practices and learnings in your life? Uh, first of all, it's really good to have a, a living example, that, like my friend Dharma Deepa, whose name actually means the island of Dharma. And uh, that's very much how I perceive him in this uh, <laughs> world or this ocean of wild waves and distraction. It's good to have this like little island to, to uh, see and uh, cling on to sometimes. Someone who has a calm mind, who, have, who truly, as I perceive him, masters the mind. Uh, and who has years and years of, uh, of practice behind anything he's saying. And uh, just from being in the presence of a, of a person with a, with a calm mind, it makes it clearer to see what you are doing with your mind, how you are clinging on to all these uh, insignificant fluxations that happens all the time. Um, so back to the guru. The guru, gurus are people like this particular individual. They, they, um, they seem to have a, they have a little dharma uh, um, they have, a, they have a nice dharma uh, account um, building up sweetly, don't they? Yeah, I think the best gurus, they just uh, they teach just by example. Like Sri Ramana, he never said anything. Well, he said, he said something eventually, but for many years he said nothing. 
and uh, students were just drawn to him. They, it was just his, you know, his his presence and his level of awareness that spontaneously attracted people. So I think it's like that with uh, with many great teachers. They just show by example. They they hardly have to to speak because you you can you can sense what their minds are like. Mm. If we don't always appreciate someone who might irritate us because they are so darn quiet and assertive, we still respect them somehow nonetheless because it takes a lot of power just to shut the heck up, doesn't it? Yeah, it, well, it could be that they have nothing to say. That's also possible. Mm. We could be mistaken. And it, whether we can recognize a, a guru is also uh, dependent on our level of realization ourselves. Is if we are if we are really dumb, we won't we won't be sensitive enough to to recognize that great mind that is sitting in front of us. So it's like the the Buddha's cousin Devadatta. Uh, I love this story of him saying he he was very jealous of the, of the Buddha. There are many stories like that. I think yeah, some stories say that he even tried to kill the Buddha. Um, and he said at one occasion, "Well, I don't see any difference between the the two of us. I studied as many script scriptures as you. I served you for twelve years. So he was the attendant of the of the Buddha for twelve years. I don't see any difference between us except the six feet." Um, um, aura that surrounds you. Oh wow! <laughs> so I, I, I get it. So there's um, there is a there seems to be a connect uh, to how one connects, understands to this micro, medial, and uh, macro uh, ability to look out, look within, and to be here and now. So good luck to to all of you uh, out there and all of those people in you that uh, are versions of yourself that are having these deliberating conversations with yourself in order to walk the fields of both your mind and grind forward in understanding who you are or how and what you do in finding more meaning uh, and approaching perhaps more of a, a greater deepening understanding of this dharma uh, within your true inner nature and the cosmic reality all around ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in to this one hour and five minute long <laughs> podcast about dharma it was uh, a real pleasure having you here with both ellen and i and remember this episode was dharma and this is the yoga syndicate